bug jump scare there to start us off. Very much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, welcome to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. <laughs> you got me, got me all jumbled, man. I know. wasn't it Wasn't it a good time though? You know, it was. You? It was. It was a great zero point seven seconds of <laughs> of not knowing what to do. Uh, if you can't tell from who's talking and the absolute nonsense chaos of the opening introduction of the show, Tug is not here. Uh, that doesn't happen with Tug's here. We're a little bit more orderly, but it's okay. <laughs> if only by by force we're more orderly. Yeah, he mandates that we behave. We sometimes <laughs> listen. Uh, but Tug's not here. It is Bug and Doug, and we are... Going to be breaking down the Big 12 and the ACC today. If you're on live stream with us, we'll be doing both conferences back-to-back. If you are waiting after the fact, first of all, why are you doing that? Come join us on Twitch, like Rusty Boy in the chat. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, we're live for these things, and we love talking about all this stuff live with people because if you have questions, we can respond pretty quickly. Uh, Also, if... You are listening after the fact. We recommend checking it out on YouTube because there we still have the visuals up for you. And we put some time into these things. And they're not the most beautiful graphics you've ever seen in your life. But they do help move things along here. Help keep you focused on what we're talking about. And uh, if you're on audio only or YouTube, this will be the Big 12 episode. Next release will be the ACC. Uh, so that gave it away what conferences we're talking about, but just a heads up on where we're at in our conference preview series. These are the seventh and eighth conferences in the FBS. Then we will have 13 whole conferences in the FCS to talk about after we get done with the FBS, saving the most fun for last year. Uh, we have a couple of weeks to go yet before week zero. We're actually kind of closing in on college football. I'm very much excited. I was about to say you getting you getting a little excited, a little you don't know you don't know what to do with your hands almost. No, I hate college football. You know this about me. I hate it so oh, much. Man, why are we doing the show then? All right, we're done. <laughs> Dude, I've been excited for this college football season since the middle of last college football season. It is, it never stops. <laughs> You've been excited because you thought this season was going to be better for a certain uh, team. I mean, that's not necessarily the reason, but I mean, we were still undefeated at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, anyway, we're talking about the Big 12 right now. Let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, The Big 12 has been, as recently as two years ago, presumed dead. Uh, Yeah. There was a lot of speculation once Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were leaving ahead of the 2025 season or after the 2025 season even. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really understand what happened exactly, but all of a sudden I don't Big 12 might be the third best conference in the future. Well, it might be. If, top to bottom, it might be the second best conference, at least until Texas and OU leave here. And what they've got 
at least this year and next year left? I thought you said after 2025, but I feel like it's 2024. I think it would be after 2024. Yeah. It's it's either one or two years left in the Big 12. I think it's at least. There's too many teams moving because I I know UCLA and USC, this is their last year in the Pac-12. So it it doesn't help anybody keep anything straight. And, uh, you know, I, I think them leaving was a big piece of it because we hadn't seen anybody but Texas or OU even be in the conversation for the college football playoff. I think Kansas State making it to the semifinal, you know, there's only semifinals and finals, but I think Kansas State making it to that stage definitely put them back on the mat. And then not only do they make it to the semifinal, they make it all the way to the final, beat a Big Ten conference champion, and or it wasn't Kansas State, it was TCU. I purple teams. I was. I was. Yeah, waiting for you to finish. It was the purple. It, it broke me. Kansas State did make it to the Sugar Bowl, though. So another New as Year's the conference team. champion, right? But what what throws me? I mean, what I don't get is you had these two great teams, and really, you look at the rest of the conference. There are some other pretty strong teams in here as well. Granted, some of them are coming up. I don't know why people thought it was dead. Like. I guess, you know, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, like those were big gets. Um, But people were still kind of writing this conference off as, oh, it's dying. And, you know, don't worry about paying attention to them because they're just going to go off into the sunset. I'm curious. I I don't think Oklahoma and Texas regret leaving the Big 12. But you got to think maybe they're they're having a little bit of second thoughts. Like, man, we're leaving a really good thing. We might go struggle in the SEC here in a couple of years. Yeah, I highly doubt that's going to happen because even with the additions of BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston, the payouts, the media contracts, as is always the case with this realignment, uh, it's still going to be like half of what the SEC is getting. So, See, it's interesting you say that. And I know the Pac-12 does not have a good media contract deal, and we talked about this well, they- we don't have one at all right now. <laughs> yeah, this was, the problem. About, this was about the only thing I talked about in the Pac-12 preview. But Colorado's coming back to the Big 12. Yeah. Five years ago, you'd have thought that was a step down, but it's not like it, it – you know, you, you'd ask me, it's not like it matters a ton for Colorado. They weren't performing well in the Pac-12 to begin with anyway. I don't know if they're going to perform any better back in the Big 12, but it it feels right. It looks, you know, looks better. I think this conference is still going to be very competitive for him, though. Now, if we can get Nebraska back in the Big 12 and maybe uh, Missouri back in the Big 12, maybe things would settle back into place very nicely. <laughs> Only one of Texas or Texas A&M can be in the SEC at a time. Let's make that a rule. He's be signed by Congress. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think we need to have that Texas-Texas A&M game every year, though. Like, I, that – I don't know how you can't look forward to seeing that happen all the time again. Well, fair. They do hate each other very much, which makes it fun from the outside looking in. Uh, But, yeah, Colorado's back. And, again, talking about that network TV money, uh, even as much as the Big 12 might end up being about half of what the SEC gets – that's still double what the Pac-12 is going to get. It sounds like – the Pac-12 is going to finally hear some numbers for their new media deal in about 48 hours. 
Um, and it's expected to be like 20 million a year per school, which ain't much compared to what the Big Ten, SEC, and Big 12 are getting right now. Even what the ACC is getting at the moment, even though they signed their deal several years ago at this point, when all this explosion hadn't happened yet. So Colorado's making the best move for themselves financially here. It's probably not the only domino to fall. If you're following all this on Twitter, I'm sure you've already seen a lot of speculation about Arizona potentially leaving for the Big 12 very quickly. Uh, and Oregon, Washington still up in the air. They are definitively the strongest two brands left in the pack nine as things stand right now. We'll see what happens. I, I have no legitimate idea. It's complete speculation, which is fun, but. <laughs> but you do also have a link for an Arizona State SharePoint in the Discord. So if you're interested in that, please go join our Discord. Link scrolling not, across the bottom here. It's not that exciting. It's, uh, it's literally the Board of Regents meeting agenda. But, you know, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's cool <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> and I'm also putting a Discord link in the chat here. So see, it'll be a lot easier if you just come join the show to get your Discord link rather than trying to type it in or copy it from the description in the audio podcast. Come come join us on come join us live. It's better, I promise. In the meantime of all of this conference realignment talk, we do have another season of Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12 and we have all the rest of the teams that are left in the Big 12 and some new additions as well. This this season is really weird for the Big 12. I think next season will be weird as well. But I guess let's go ahead and just start with Baylor. I don't know what else to do at this point. Let's jump on the gun a little bit, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's, it is what it is. I don't know what else to talk about with the Big 12. Everything's up in the air. Uh, but what we do know is Baylor's going to be here with head coach Dave Aranda heading into his fourth season. Baylor is one of those teams that really gets underappreciated in the Big 12 most of the time. It feels like they're always a contender for something, not necessarily always in that Big 12 championship conversation, but always one of those teams that everybody, you know, they, nobody wants to have to play Baylor. Nobody looks forward to Baylor week necessarily. And that's really amped up with Dave Aranda, I would say. Blake Shapin, what he's been able to come in and do is, you know, he's not the best quarterback in the conference or anything, but he's somebody really solid with some athleticism, really makes this Baylor offense move. And Clark Barrington coming in from BYU, you know, Tug was in on Clark Barrington before I even was as one of the best interior offensive linemen in the country. And I think he's right. Clark Barrington is awesome. And what a huge addition for the Baylor Bears. And what an excellent mustache, too. I We've talked about Clark Barrington more than once on this show. <clears throat> for, for a couple of years now. Yeah, and I think, which is really impressive because he's probably like 47 coming from BYU. Uh, well, I think it's going to be the biggest <laughs> thing here. Blake Shapin is going to have a little more time, not have to worry about those big defensive tackles getting through. <clears throat> and Richard Reese is probably going to have a little bit extra room to run up the middle behind Clark Barrington. This is a great addition for Baylor. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I agree with you, a team that slept on a lot, but it always seems like they have something up their sleeve every single year. 
that they are a powerhouse and a team to be reckoned with. They didn't get it quite done last year, uh, only posting a 6-7 and seven record with a loss in the Armed Forces Bowl to Air Force. I don't think this team's going to get bullied on the offensive line this year, which was a bit of their problem. If I remember correctly, this team took TCU to the brink in the regular season, needing a buzzer-beater kick from the Horned Frogs. They're no, they're no slouches here. This is a very good team, and I expect them to pick up where they left off and finish out more than uh, more than they were able to last year. Yeah, and the defensive line isn't bereft of talent either. Gabe Hall coming back for his senior year with four and a half sacks of his name last season, six the year prior. I do think in his senior year, Gabe Hall should be a force to be reckoned with for Baylor and probably the focal point of that pass rush. Honestly, Matt Jones behind him in that linebacker room. You know how much I love linebackers. Uh, not as much of a pass rusher as you might expect from an outside linebacker, kind of that edge position, more of an off-ball outside linebacker, uh, but a very good player in his own right. And I do think this is probably like a eight-win team, roughly. I don't know that they're talented enough to compete for the conference. Again, I, I don't know that I'd be too surprised if they do, though. You know, it's like this is uh, – Baylor has always been – at least under Dave Aranda, has always been really solid. Well, and they'll, they'll definitely be coming out with something to prove in their conference opener against Texas at home. That's going to be a big game and really a big measuring stick, not just for them, but for the Longhorns, who we will talk about much later in this episode. I'm interested to see how they handle the, front, the first three games of their schedule because Utah at home, I think they got lucky with how it laid out for them this year. That's going to be their biggest test and really going to set the table for how they're going to do in conference play, I think. And if they do reach the eight wins, it would be an improvement from last year. Do you want to say they were barely bowl eligible last year and then lost to Air Force in the Armed Forces Bowl? But oh I God, do think, yeah. I do think this, this team is probably better than last year. Getting Blake Shape in another year of experience helps quite a bit as well. Uh, I feel like we've been talking about Baylor for a minute here. Let's go ahead and jump to one of the new additions to the conference, Brigham Young University. Uh, This is interesting, having BYU in a Power 5 conference. Usually one of those teams that people associated with the Power 5 when they felt like it, even when they were independent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually you get the Power 5 plus Notre Dame and then – Occasionally, you'd have folks who'd be like, well, you got to add BYU into that, too. Well, now they are Power 5 legitimately. Keaton Slovis is their quarterback. What a collegiate journey this man has had. Uh, he's at BYU for Whew. probably his last year of college football. I don't know how he'd have another one. Aiden Robbins is formerly from Louisville and transferred to UNLV for last season. Over 1,000 yards there and nine touchdowns with UNLV, I would say that's pretty good, getting some experience back there, running back, and a good rusher. Uh, Also, uh, the defense is – it's going to be pretty different. (laughs) Two of the three guys I have up here are transfers. Eddie Heckard coming in from FCS Weber State. Isaiah Bagna from Boise State. Ben Bywater, though. The 
the shredded dude who doesn't like to put his sleeves down at middle linebacker. My favorite kind of middle linebacker. <laughs> Thinks he's beefier than everybody in the world. I respect the hell out of it. <laughs> uh, they did go eight and five last year. Of course, don't have a conference record last year. They were independent. Uh, they did beat SMU in the New Mexico Bowl. 24-23 is a really awesome game to watch if you were able to watch the New Mexico Bowl, which most people probably don't know exists. But <laughs> Bowl season is incredible. Here's here's my question, right? You got a whole bunch of transfers coming in, so it is kind of tough mm-hmm. to judge things on. <clears throat> they had five losses last year, and I kind of want to focus on them. They beat Baylor, which is one of their future conference opponents. It took double overtime to get the job done against the Bears. <clears throat> but then it seems like every other, every other power five, quote-unquote, game that they had, they did not do well in Oregon they lost 20 to 41 Notre Dame this was a pretty this actually was a good game Notre Dame had a weird year but BYU lost this one 20 to 28 they got smoked by Arkansas at home 52 to 35 and then they got destroyed by Liberty 14 to 41 and a three-point loss to ECU rounds out their losses from last year it's really tough to in my opinion at least to get a grasp on exactly how good or bad this team's going to be I really can't look at their schedule this year and even try to pencil anything in because it, there's not a lot to go on. And when you have this many guys coming, you know, transferring in to make up the roster this year, I think it's just easiest to say it's going to be a very interesting season for the BYU Cougars. Kind of depends on how much faith you have in Kalani Sataki, who is back for his eighth season here, has a big contract extension as well, heading into Big 12. He's been solid for them, but also BYU is one of those teams where they can very easily win nine, ten games, or they can just as easily win like four games in a year and miss a bowl game, and nobody really realizes it because they're BYU. Because they're BYU. And, and, and I can't decide. <laughs> I feel like it's unfair to say that they underperform, but they underwhelm everybody whenever – they're expected to rise to the occasion. I think that's probably the most fair thing to say. And this is not something new. This is not based off of last year. This is really based off Sataki's entire time at BYU. Every time that they seem to get to that big stage, either the moment's too big for them or they just barely scrape by with a win somehow. Well, remember in the COVID year when they impromptu scheduled a game against Coastal Carolina and the Chanticleers won that game. a kind oh, of game. cementing Jamie Chadwell as a hot name in coaching search now at Liberty. Uh, BYU couldn't rise to that challenge. And if they had won that game, it was very possible BYU was in the college football playoff. Like yeah. they were they were undefeated at that point and had beaten everybody convincingly. So it's it's a it's a gamble. If you want to believe in this team, but I think there is good reason to do so. I mean, the talent is definitely there. Absolutely. If they can come together, it's a different question. Yeah. Moving right along, UCF, Gus Melzon in his third season there. And I'm going to start it right off. John Reese Plumley, the two sport athlete coming back at quarterback again. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how 
Malzahn and Plumlee are going to perform facing a Power 5 schedule week in and week out. A lot of people have been saying for a while that this team is ready to make that move. They finally make it, and I think people just have a short memory. It hasn't been that long since they were an FCS school, and let's not forget two years prior to them winning uh, the American Athletic Conference for the first time, going undefeated, they lost every single fucking game. I don't know where the rise of UCF came from, but it is. I think this is going to be the put up or shut up here. Is this a legitimate team, or were they just in you know a weak conference and that's what got them through? I mean, you can say that all you want to. They they were in the American Championship last year. They have been in at least the conversation for the American Championship basically every year the last six seven seasons. Uh, including a national championship year in 2017. Fuck off with that. That's the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard. So fucking stupid. I had to. Uh, (laughs) They are recruiting like they are a Power 5 school. And usually when you're able to do that, you can keep up pretty well. Gus Malzahn's a proven Power 5 coach as well. I don't see any reason they can't go ahead and compete right away. I mean, John Reese Plumley's pretty dang good. He is. Uh, what blows my Baker mind is, is awesome. What blows my mind is you now have four Power 5 schools spread across three different conferences in the state of Florida. One of them's going to have to be the poorest. And right. you would think it's UCF because they don't have the name brand and the legacy But the fact of the matter is Miami and FSU have not really been helping themselves out lately, at least FSU, who we'll talk about in our next episode if you're an audio listener. At least FSU has had something going the past couple of years. Well, and they won a national championship in 2013. Like, We're moving on. I'm not going to Don't roll your damn eyes. That one's legitimate. (laughs) Are you talking about FSU? Yeah. Okay. The Jimbo Fisher national championship the last year of the BCS? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I thought you were still trying to say UCF won, and I didn't listen to the year, and I was like, I'm not doing this again. I would say the poorest of those four is going to end up being Miami. Uh, if you if you know, you know. We're going to move on. Not, <laughs> we're talking about the Big 12, uh, which takes us to Cincinnati, the second Power 5 school in the state of Ohio. That is wild to me how many football teams there are in Ohio at the FBS level. This is only the second one to ever make it to a Power 5 status. Cincinnati has been really awesome under Luke Fickle, but they don't have Luke Fickle anymore. He goes ahead and bolts for the Big Ten, and they bring in Scott Satterfield, which is the worst hire. i got to be honest with you guys. I this feel awful. so bad <laughs> for Cincinnati. I thought I was beating the drum from day one that if they went to the Big 12, Luke Fickle would be locked in for the long haul. I'm raising my hand. I was fucking wrong, and I'm sorry. Like, this sucks. I feel so bad for them. Coming into the Big 12, they've got a lot of the same questions that UCF's going to have. They just got hot more recently than UCF as right. well. I mean, this sucks so hard for Cincinnati. I – as much as I hate the Bearcats, I feel so bad for them right now. The redeeming quality of Scott Satterfield is that he has Power 5 experience. And he has led Louisville to a couple of you know, 
plus a five, over 500 seasons. Like it's not been the worst tenure imaginable. It's also been underperforming by Louisville standards, which that sentence is really weird. If you look at it historically, uh, <laughs> Not like Louisville fans really wanted to bring Scott Satterfield back. So when he left for a historic rival, everybody was happy about it in Louisville. Uh, That's a telling sign. He did awesome at Appalachian State. Appalachian State would not be where they are right now without what Scott Satterfield did for them. That is not a good enough reason to think he's going to be your your usher into the big 12 era at Cincinnati. This is, this is painful. Uh, They do have Emory Jones at quarterback, former Florida and Arizona state quarterback, probably his last season in college football. Going to give this a go with the Bearcats. I have D Wiggins up here. Um, I got to be honest with you. He only has like four catches in his collegiate career. Here's the reason he's up here. Uh, he is a formerly a Miami Hurricane. Last season, he played for Scott Satterfield at Louisville and transferred with him to Cincinnati here. Uh, will probably end up being one of their top receivers this year, which is crazy to say. A man only had like four catches in his career as like a redshirt senior now. Cincinnati lost their top eight receivers. Their top eight receiving threats. Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Jaden Thompson, Nick Mardner, Will Pauling, and then both their big-name tight ends, Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor, and then their top running back receiving threat, Chuck McClellan, all gone, mostly to the NFL. Nick Mardner transferred to Auburn, but mostly to the NFL. Who do you have left? At least get somebody who knows the system. I guess D. Wiggins is the best you're going to do. Uh, this is probably going to be a really bad season for Cincinnati. It's just, it's awful. I, I legitimately feel bad. I'm not going to, I'm going to laugh whenever they have a bad season, but I do feel bad that it's going to happen this way. I'm looking at their schedule as well. And week two at Pittsburgh at Akershire Stadium, because nothing is sacred and the ketchup is no more. Uh, it sounds like Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati week two. That sounds like almost an NFL game, but this is going to be a college football game on Saturday, September 9th. That's probably going to be their best test. That's where we're going to get our best look at what possibly this team could do because then they play Miami, Ohio, and open the season against OU uh, or open the conference schedule against OU. So I, Pitt's going to be a test for them. I don't know how much we're actually going to learn about them from that game because Pitt is Pitt. Who knows what they're going to come out with, and we'll talk about them later as well. A lot of Big 12 ACC uh, pre, pre-conference matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll we'll see. God, this, this sucks so bad. I'm so sorry, Cincinnati. <laughs> On the other side of the coin, you have Houston, who's probably going to do a fair bit better than Cincinnati, though I don't know how much exactly. Dana Holgerson was under a lot of – media pressure, a lot of fan pressure. When he left the Power 5 West Virginia for the Group of 5 Houston, everybody's like, what in the world are you doing? And now he's back in the same conference that he left for the Group of 5. Dana Holgerson is still the head coach at Houston. And uh, 
do they play West Virginia this year? I haven't even looked at that. I don't think. Yeah, they do. They do. They play them. Um, let me count wait. here. It's at Tadeku too. One, two, three, four. Oh five, gosh. Six. Week six. Here's the other thing you got to look at too. I mean, Houston by no means has been good the past couple of years. I think it was two, maybe three years ago. They redshirted to Eric King and half of their starters because they just they wiped their hands and said, That's it. We're we're giving up on the season. We'll try again next year, which led yeah. to King transferring to uh <laughs> Miami, Florida a year later. Uh, and then last year they started off very, very weak. Unfortunately, the game that they turned it around uh was against Memphis, but they turned it around, were able to put together a pretty good season, finishing at eight and five and winning the Independence Bowl against Louisiana. I'm curious though what the what the script is going to be this season because again, they're going to be playing at least on paper a better schedule. And they have a an early season uh conference matchup in week three against uh that uh, that playoff team that we talked about earlier that I messed up a little bit, TCU. That game has always been – I feel like they've either played TCU or Texas Tech early in the season the past two or three years, even as a member of the American. And that game's always been exciting, but it's always seemed like Houston was unable to get the job done. And think, In fact, I'm pretty sure last year was against Texas Tech. It was a fantastic game that the Red Raiders were able to get the better of at the end. You always just thought Houston is not getting everything done that they need to to actually compete and win and finish out these games. They're going to have to find that if they want to compete in the Big 12 this year. I will say no matter what that script ends up looking like, it'll feature a whole lot of running from Alton McCaskill. Nearly 1,000 yards last year, 16 touchdowns on the ground. I would say he's going to end up being the focal point of this offense. And on defense, they bring in a couple of big-time transfers from established Power 5 programs. Defensive end from Oklahoma, safety from Texas A&M, really trying to bulk up into a Power 5 defense, which it felt like they had in like 2018. But then it did fall off a little bit and – they're, they need to build up quickly. So I understand going the transfer route here on the defensive side of the ball. I think the offense is going to be okay, though, with McCaskill and a good offensive line. That can that can do a lot for you, even in a pass-happy Big 12 traditionally. Exactly. Moving right along, we'll go to Iowa State. This team, I feel like, always has a big question mark on what they're actually going to do. It seems like they always win the Cyhawk series, and that's about the highlight of the year. And I'm pretty sure that was the highlight of the year last year as well. Only posted a four and eight record with one conference win. Do we think this year's going to be any different? Is Matt Campbell on the hot seat? For some reason, Matt Campbell always pops up as one of those like potential head coaching candidates everywhere because <laughs> Iowa State is really insanely difficult to win a bunch of games at. Like, that should not be understated. Iowa State is an incredibly difficult job. Everybody in the area who wants to play football goes to the Hawkeyes. Everybody who is, like, decent at football probably ends up at Nebraska or Minnesota. Or doesn't want to go to fucking Iowa in general. Who wants to go to Ames, Iowa? Show of hands. I mean, I kind of do because it's – I'm a nerd. You want to go for a football game, though. You don't want to go and live there for four years. I mean, this is what they're I don't want to go for a career, right. (laughs) I mean, 
Look at uh, you probably can't even find it anymore. Netflix fucking taking shit off all the time. But QB one, uh, Real Mitchell when he was getting recruited there, he went there. He did the whole hey, I'm gonna graduate a semester early, and so he went there as a freshman. You know, doing that first semester, get ahead of his classes for the spring semester, and of course, you know, the spring semester starts in February, January, February. This kid was from California. He was like, what the fuck? It's so goddamn cold. <laughs> like, I have no idea how, <laughs> like, I have no idea how he even stayed there. I don't think he ever saw the field as a quarterback for the Cyclones, but I, like, I saw that and I was like, I don't know if he's going to stay. There's no way. There's no way he wants to stay here right now. Unless he falls in love with deer hunting. Iowa's a great place for that. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Uh, their quarterback this year, speaking of quarterbacks for Iowa State, is going to be Hunter Deckers returning after over 3,000 yards last year, but a pretty gnarly touchdown interception ratio. I don't know if Hunter Deckers is really that good. I think he's about the best you can hope for at Iowa State, <laughs> which isn't saying much. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> this would be a Really good season for the Cyclones if they're a bowl team. Um, if you're not a bowl team, I think next year Matt Campbell is on the hot seat. I don't think he gets fired this season, even if they don't make a bowl game. But it, he would probably start next year on the hot seat. It would be my speculation there. Makes sense. I agree. I'm curious to see how this all shakes out for him as well. I they were not they were not even close in a lot of their losses last year. It's it's gonna be a rough year again for the Cyclones, I think. Most likely. You know what's gonna be a very fun season with probably the exact same record is Kansas. The Jayhawks were the most exciting team in all of college football for the first part of last season. And then Jalen Daniels got hurt and they lose a bunch of games. Yeah, uh, but he is back. First, like half of the season, he threw for two thousand yards, eighteen touchdowns, ran for another five million yards, and four hundred and eighty-seven touchdowns. Probably, I'm not. Those are official stats, definitely. Uh, <laughs> he legitimately looked like the most exciting player in Kansas football history. I don't know that anyone even comes close to that. Like Bill Sayers, probably. <laughs> literally going back that far. Yeah, but was he as exciting as Jalen Daniels? Like, exactly. Stat-wise, they're, they're probably like close to as important, but excitement, Jalen Daniels exactly. is, is and there. They also... I think, I think the best thing about last season for Kansas was that he was able to come back for the Liberty Bowl against Arkansas, who also lost their quarterback. I've, I've wanted to go to two Liberty Bowls in my life. The one that Memphis played, ironically, Iowa State in. And this last one, I mean, this was that was an amazing game in and of itself. But the storylines around those two teams, look, Jalen Daniels led this team to six and seven. He got them bowl eligible before he got hurt. He almost got Lance Leopold into double digit wins on last season alone. He had two wins previously coming into that. He tripled his win amount. I mean, it's it's such a shame that he went down when he did. To be fair to Lance Leopold, though, it's not like Kansas was lighting up the 
win column before he got there either. That's true. And and it's, Leopold has a reputation now. Whether or not it can be attributed to Jalen Daniels or not, he's the past few teams he's been at have been quick turnarounds and almost immediate mid-level success very quickly. Like you, um, you go from two seasons ago where it looks like they're going to upset one of the top teams in the country in Oklahoma, and they open the gates. They're putting messages right. out everywhere, like "Come to the fucking stadium to selling out the place," and that's all <laughs> on the back of Jalen Daniels. That can't be under, understated right. enough. There's five other players on this <laughs> graphic that we haven't talked about a second. That is how much Jalen Daniels has meant to this team. I do want to say, though, Logan Brown has been a huge piece of this as well. When you have a solid starting caliber left tackle, that helps you so dang much. And Logan Brown is a legitimate starter there at tackle. And Kenny Logan Jr. is one of my favorite defensive backs in the entire country. Uh, I don't know that he's legitimately the most talented safety in the country, but he's very, very fun to watch as well. Um, And... Yeah, what Lance Leopold did at Buffalo, he's doing at Kansas, but it's bigger because it's Kansas. And holy cow, he's doing it at Kansas. <laughs> and I I have no true allegiance to univer- to the University of Illinois, but I'll tell you this much. If I can find a way to make it on September 8th out to Lawrence, that's definitely a game that I want to check out against the Fighting Illini. I know. If, if Lawrence, Kansas were in driving radius for me, that would be – very high on my list of games I want to go watch in person. A little bit far, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> now for your reigning Big 12 Conference champions. Um, what? Also purple, <laughs> and they were highlighted, so it really fucking threw me off about the whole playoff thing earlier. We need more fucking colors in college football. This is ridiculous. There's only like five teams that have purple and two of them are in the same conference and they were at the top of the conference last year. Give me a break. Cooper BB was on our All-American squad at left guard. Uh, Other than that, it's a roster of really good players. I don't think there is a star here necessarily. I say that though, what Will Howard was able to do once he came back from injury like, if we watched that Big 12 championship game, it was a battle of wills, pun slightly intended, between Will Howard and Max Duggan. Like, both of those guys played their hearts out. It was evident, and the teams rallied behind both of them. I think it was a, it was a slugfest. Either direction was p- very possible for the outcome of that game, and Will Howard just somehow inched Kansas State ahead of TCU there. But, oh, my gosh, if Will Howard can bring that level of intensity to every game this season, they'll be undefeated. Yeah, absolutely. They've got a favorable non-conference schedule. Having to go to Missouri to close out the non-conference slate, another game that I might potentially try and go to with uh, if the price still is right. It sounds weird that that's a non-conference game. I know. I mean, I don't, I'm not a fan of it either, but <laughs> – I think it's also a very winnable game. Of course, we're not going to talk about Mizzou for a couple more week or for a couple more episodes at least. But then they open up with a favorable conference schedule as well. UCF, Oklahoma State, who we'll get to here momentarily, and Texas Tech. I mean, they they can get on a very good start 
uh, to begin this season and really set themselves up for success as the year goes on, I think. I don't know. That feels like you're discounting UCF, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. Uh, I'm discounting Oklahoma State because they like to, you know, not let anybody know what they're actually going to do. Like my analysis for Oklahoma State is going to be absolute dog shit here in a couple of minutes. Don't worry. Well, I can't wait for that. In the meantime, though, we have to get to Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> if we do want to jump ahead here, Brent Venables is on his second season after a very long and very successful run as Clemson's defensive coordinator. Comes to Oklahoma and has the worst season the Sooners have had in a long time. Yeah. I don't know how much of this is on Brent Venables himself, but I don't know how much of it's not on Brent Venables, right? (laughs) Like, there's probably a little bit of both here. (laughs) I, you want my honest opinion? Yeah. I think Dylan Gabriel was an excellent. Group of five quarterback. I think that uh, uh, McKenzie, fuck. Milton. McKenzie Milton. It's tough to say with McKenzie Milton because he did have the injury, but I think he kind of falls in that same excellent group of five quarterback, not so great power five quarterback. And again, I will say this until I'm blue in the face. I I feel a little bad saying that because of the injury. I don't feel like we get a, a true – representation of what he could have done at the power five level part of it's probably scheme i don't think dylan gabriel's as good as what brent venables thought he was getting and that's also kind of going back a little bit to ucf what makes me worried about the golden knights going into this year as well as good as john reese plumley is is he going to be that good at the power five level we're talking about oklahoma though can they improve from last year here's the thing you look at their record their conference record leaves a lot to be desired and they had they'd lost the cheese at bowl in a very close game to FSU 32 to 35. Six and six in the regular season is not a horrible season for most teams. It's just not what you want Oklahoma to get, especially if you're the SEC and they're coming up to your conference here in a couple couple of years. Right. I know I, I think SEC fans were probably just as upset as Oklahoma fans were with the season that they turned in last year. You say all that about Dylan Gabriel. I do want to point out his season wasn't as bad statistically as that sounds. But, you know, stats are one thing and game performance is a different thing. I think there was a level of... I don't think Dylan Gabriel was able to rise to the occasion at what you've come to expect out of Oklahoma quarterbacks in recent memory. Um Also, I want to point out that Lincoln Riley sucks ass at defensive recruiting and did his entire time at Oklahoma. Uh, And we've seen that change quite a bit under Brent Venables already. The past two recruiting cycles have been very good on the defensive side of the ball, but those guys aren't necessarily ready to start contributing in a major way just yet. So as weird as it sounds, they might end up being better once they get to the SEC because Brent Venables will be able to have his team by then. And it's going to take a little bit to get there. The biggest thing they need is to perform against Texas this year. 
I don't know how long Brent Venables is going to hold this job if he gets shut out against the Longhorns again. Right. And they came back the following week and took out their frustrations on Kansas, winning 52-42. to But, oh, by the way, that was after Jalen Daniels got hurt. Right. And that team was – I mean, you saw the record. That team was not good after Jalen Daniels got hurt. So it's not like they were beating the best team in the conference either. There's a lot to be desired coming from this Oklahoma roster and this Oklahoma team going into this season. Man, you need to have more time to build that defense, as you mentioned, which is going to be Brent Benable's bread and butter. But are they going to give him that time in Norman, especially with the move to the SEC looming? His Brent and butter? His Brent and butter. There's a guy on this defense with the last name Stutzman. They got to be good, right? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to the Oklahoma State Cowboys, the the honorable hat champions of the episode, uh, with their head coach, Mike Gundy, one of the longest tenured coaches in all of college football at this point, 19th season at Oklahoma State, still rocking the mullet. On and he only when he feels like it. His record at Oklahoma State is one forty nine and sixty nine. Very, very nice. I hope he never loses another game. I hope he wins at least reason. twenty more before he loses another one. That'd be nice. I hope he goes four hundred and twenty and sixty nine in his career. That would be very perfect. <laughs> that would also take such a long time. I don't think it's possible. I don't know. There's been a couple guys I've gotten close to that, right? I I don't even know. Um, Yeah, Oklahoma State is such an anomaly year to year. I think exactly what you were starting to say before, um, Oklahoma State is so unpredictable. That uh, that same Texas team that shut out Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State forty-one to thirty-four. They took TCU to the brink and lost in double overtime, and then they got shut out by Kansas State. Four, and then they get shut out. It was forty-eight nothing. I think Memphis fans drive me insane. There's Oklahoma State fans that drive me more insane. Going as far as saying, "Oh, this team's going back to the." Back to the FCS, they're so bad. There have been talks about it because nobody gives a shit about this program. I'm like, what are you fucking going on about? Are you kidding me right now? (laughs) It blows my mind how some Oklahoma State fans act. And because of that, like I I enjoy watching the Cowboys. I have no clue what they're going to do, though. There's never anything. I, I think this is probably the biggest problem with Oklahoma State and for more casual fans like myself. They don't have name players at positions people care about, typically. Now, you you know, you talk about defensive backs, you got guys like Darrell Revis, Revis Island, you know, guys like that, like big names, Jalen Ramsey, shit like that in the NFL. And I think Oklahoma State has the capability of producing those. But I remember a couple times last year when we were talking about players to watch in Oklahoma State games, it was always a defensive back that I'd never heard of. And they were always great. I'm like, what are we doing yeah. not not recognizing these guys? And it, I think part of it's because they play in the Big 12. But they like there's they're an anomaly. They keep performing so well. I remember, I don't remember what game it was. It might have been that double overtime TCU game. 
they were down to like their third quarterback, which definitely hurt them. That which kid, was, they uh, Mike Gundy's son, Gunner Gundy. They zoomed in on his hands, and he's doing this, waiting for the yes. snap. Uh, yes. It was. I felt so bad for him. I think, and remembering <laughs> that, I do think injuries affected them a lot last year. Yeah. But, I mean, again, there's still people, oh, the sky is falling. We're not going to be any good. I'm like, shut up. Speaking of those great defensive backs from last year, Jason Taylor the second is now on the Los Angeles Rams. Jabbar Muhammad is now on the Washington Huskies as a transfer out of here. Uh, Kendall Daniels is back. But it does feel like you're missing a lot. And this is the second year post the Jim Knowles defense, which really felt like it revitalized the Oklahoma State Cowboys um, when Jim Knowles came in. This is, this is no longer in that mold at all. I think you're going to see a drop-off in defensive back play. Uh, Kendall Daniels I still expect to be very good, but – as much as you were talking about some guys that you just never recognized, that's they're going to go back to that for sure. I think even the players to watch will no longer be those defensive backs going forward. Also want to point out that Spencer Sanders transferred. He is now on the Ole Miss Rebels, and I don't know who their quarterback's going to be this year. I really have no idea. Brennan Presley's back. Gundy. Brennan Presley was their leading receiver last year. So that's awesome that he's back, but also Can I tell you another you need, thing? You need somebody to throw it to you. Can I tell you another frustration of mine? Sure. I think Bedlam needs to be Thanksgiving weekend. I think it needs to be Thanksgiving Day weekend, especially if OU is going to play Texas at the the Texas State Fair, right? Mm-hmm. If they're going to play that one early, they need to have Bedlam at the end of the season. They need to have it closer to Rivalry Week or Rivalry Week itself. It, this is it's depressing. Yeah. It's this depressing. Is potentially the last year of Bedlam ever. If this is the last year makes, of Columbus, that in makes the conference. me so sad. That makes me so sad. Um, yeah, another Texas Texas A and M situation for that one. I'm just going to get depressed the more I think about Bedlam going away. Let's move on to TCU. Unless you have something else to say about the Cowboys. All I can say about the Cowboys is good luck. I have no idea what to expect from you. So, (laughs) See? See? And you got on to me. It's not fair. It's not fair. I didn't really get on to you. I didn't know what to say either. I was just disappointed that you wouldn't be able to help. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's everything we talked about, right? This team, they're they're the what? That's it. They're the wild card of the Big Twelve. They really are, which is is weird to say after a true wild card TCU came in and fucking dominated the conference last year. This is the wildest of wild cards possible. Sonny Dykes is now heading into his second season with the Horned Frogs. That means last year was his first season at TCU. Coming over from SMU previously, um, and he brought his quarterback with him, Chandler Morris, who was all set to be the starter and did start the season, played all right against Colorado to start the year. Uh, Then he got hurt, and we had to go to the backup, Max Duggan, first-year head coach, 
backup senior quarterback who could never break through. They end up winning the semifinal against the team up north. And, and almost when the kid almost wins a fucking Heisman. Can we talk about that yeah. too? Ends up, what, second in Heisman voting or third in Heisman voting? Either way, he was one of the finalists invited to New York. Um, wild. Absolutely yeah. wild. That can't happen again, right? <laughs> I, here's here's the real question you got to ask. Is Chandler Morris that guy? I have no idea. I have no idea. We have no way to know. We got to see him for like a quarter and a half, and he threw for like 111 yards. So that's great and all, but it was against Colorado, who we've all recognized was really, really awful last season. So I... I can't answer that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say either. This is this is going to be tough. It, it, you would hate to see them drop off entirely, right? I'm, I, do I yeah. think they have another thirteen and zero season in them? I think anything's possible with Sonny Dykes. I mean, he was able to pull that out of his hat last year. They did have a lot of close games. They had a lot of games they pulled out in the last couple seconds, and that luck finally did wear out in the Big 12 championship game against Kansas State, who looked like they had them figured out in the regular season to begin with. And it looked like it never arrived for the national championship game. Yeah, that was that was, <laughs> that sad. was something. That was a game. When did you turn it off? I never turned it on. I expected a blowout from the start, and so I looked at the score after about the, what I expected. Um, you you cut out bad. But either way, yeah. It's... Around around what I expected to be the end of the first quarter, I looked at the score. There's still like five minutes left in the first quarter, and Georgia was up by three scores. I was like, thank yeah. goodness I'm not watching this game. That's... Yeah. <laughs> so... Speaking That's of Colorado, right. though, it was a great season. <laughs> Speaking of Colorado, though, that's who they opened the season against. And yeah. uh, let me double check here. Yeah, we're not talking about this one later. It's uh, it's impressive that all this shaking and moving, and the team that's coming back to the Big Twelve first gets to go up against, you know, the runner-up for the Big Twelve, but the best, the class of the conference from last season, right? Um. Man, that's going to be exciting. It is. It is something. <laughs> that's all I feel like I can say about TCU. Same as Oklahoma State. It's like that was that happened. This sure this was did. lightning in a bottle. It is. It is kind of a shame, honestly, that they weren't able to do more in the national championship game. But I mean, right? It was Georgia. <sighs> Georgia so. <laughs> was a league of their own. I do we think it would have been any different if it would have been Michigan? Honestly. Um, well, they beat Michigan, so yeah, it would have been different. No, no, no. But, Georgia against Michigan. Oh. Um which I'm sure is a question we'll revisit. So you don't have to have an answer. Probably not sixty five to seven. I mean, I don't <laughs> that's fair. I don't know. <laughs> but speaking of, uh, you know, the SEC, uh, let's talk about the next team that's going to the SEC, quarterbacked uh, by Tiger King, uh, my, Who, my favorite nickname for Quinn Ewers that you love. Ahead, of, ahead of training camp, you got a buzz cut, so fuck you. 
Man, fuck. It's like over 100 degrees in Austin right now. He cut off all his nasty-ass hair. Damn it. <laughs> so he is all business there goes, there goes all his not, Yeah, there goes not, all his quarterback powers, though. Not just business in the front. He is all business all the time now. <laughs> I do want to say all the hype around Arch Manning coming in. He will not start this year. It will be Quinn Ewers' team. I expect Quinn Ewers to play pretty well this season, potentially go ahead and get himself drafted, and then give Arch Manning two or three years with the Longhorns. Uh, That is assuming a good season for Quinn Ewers, but I think I have a good reason to assume that. He has some great weapons to throw to, including a guy who was very, very, very nearly – one of my Power Five All Americans and Xavier Worthy, um, who only had 760 yards last year, only had nine touchdowns last year. Yeah, he was he was really good, and I expect him to be the number one target this year by a long shot. Uh, especially now with both of their high powered running backs drafted and no longer with the team. This is a pass-first offense at this point just because they don't have any proven guys at running back anymore. Uh, Quinn Ewers, the savior worthy, he's going to be the main connection. I'm curious, right, because last year they got to host Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll revisit this game when we talk about Alabama in next episode. Or next week, whatever. On Thursday, Thursday live when we talk yeah. about Alabama, we'll talk about this game again. Quinn Ewers got hurt against them last year, and that's why they lost. Texas should have won that game. That game was in Texas. Looking ahead to week two, do we think they stand a chance at Bryant Denny? I do think they stand a chance at Bryant Denny, but I also think that's the reasons why are more on what I expect out of Alabama this year than what I expect out of Texas. Uh, weirdly enough, for what we've you know, all come to think of Alabama as, I think it's worth saving for Thursday. Fair enough. Let's move right along then because that is probably the highlight of their schedule, especially on the non-conference side. So we'll move straight on into another Texas team. Holy shit, Texas Tech. <laughs> the last of the Texas teams, though. Uh, this is... Head coach Joey McGuire's second year with the Red Raiders. This is quarterback Tyler Shock's second year with the Red Raiders after transferring from Oregon. This is uh, probably the best Texas Tech team overall that we've seen in quite some time. I don't even think it's fair to say since Patrick Mahomes or something because that team was that team ass except either. for Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Yeah, uh, and I really do think the the talent around this this Texas Tech team is more evenly distributed. I don't know what that means as far as win loss record, though. We might be looking at a repeat of last year. They went eight and five, which I was gonna felt say. awesome for Texas Tech. But if I, it'd be really cool if they could build on that, I don't know if they can necessarily. I think they will at least match last season, right? I, I don't think there's any reason to expect a fall-off. Uh, that game against Oregon is going to be an interesting one. This is a program, though, that has extremely high expectations. 
because of where they are. Right. When you think of Texas and you think of cowboys and, and beef and cattle and all this, that's Lubbock. Lubbock is Texas. It's West Texas, but it's Texas. It is it is what comes to mind when you think of Texas. And the I mean, second thing that comes to mind after all that traditional Western and cattle ranch and stuff is football. And right. the Red Raiders have disappointed in a lot of regards in that area for the past couple of years. Last year, they finally started to get it together. I think people are starting to believe. I think anything less than seven wins in the regular season and tapping on a bowl win in there as well, I think that would be a disappointment for them this year. And I, I think that's reasonable for the first time probably probably in the past 10 years for the Red Raiders. You kind of qualified that statement being like, well, it is West Texas. I think West Texas is kind of what people think of when they think of Texas. Right. But that's nobody not what really, the rest of Texas is anymore, unfortunately, right? Nobody nobody brings up East Texas, Texarkana. That's not what people dream of. They dream of Texas. Yeah, but, and yeah, and that's that's the thing is when people but the, they never bring up Lubbock. They always bring up Houston and Austin and San Antonio. Right. I'm like those those are cities. Those are American cities. They are not Texas. Right. Give me Lubbock, give me Amarillo. Give mm-hmm. me, that's that's Texas. Yep. <laughs> That's what that's my point. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we did bring up another of their non-conference games earlier in our conference preview series when we talked about the Mountain West because they are traveling to Laramie, Wyoming to take on the Cowboys at Wyoming. That is a fascinating matchup, which Texas Tech really should win, but also it's at Wyoming. So <laughs> this is... A couple of really important tests, actually, for the Red Raiders early in the year. And then we'll see what they can do in conference, where they did go 5-4 and four in the Big 12 last year. And now with a couple of new additions, I do think Texas Tech is better than everybody they brought in. So if they get to play any of UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, I think the Red Raiders have a pretty good shot at at least eight and five again. I do think that's reasonable. Absolutely. Last but not least, we have the West Virginia Mountaineers, a team that fell just short of bowl eligibility, finishing five and seven last season. Fifth year for Neil Brown. It feels like he's just left so much to be desired. I'm kind of surprised he still has a job. You said last but not least. I don't know if I agree. <laughs> With they the are Mountain last. Year. They are last. <laughs> so that only leaves one thing. No, it's it's really bad when your athletic director has to come out and announce that your head coach is not getting fired. Like, <laughs> that's a bad statement to have to make. Uh, Neil Brown was retained for his fifth year. I don't think they've made a bowl game his entire time there, even though he's almost 500 like he's mm-hmm. it's it's been hovering around this five and seven, maybe six and six, and like miss a bowl game because their academics suck so bad because it's West Virginia. Feels like that's possible too. I don't know for sure off the top of my head, actually. But I do like this offensive line. The issue is the offensive line is about the only thing on the team that I actually like. Uh even CJ Donaldson coming back. Yeah, he averaged six yards a carry. But I think that's because of the offensive line, and I don't know that that's because of C.J. Donaldson. No. I like Zach Frazier, Doug Nestor. 
The guys up front in the middle of this line are actually really good. The tackles, I'm not convinced about. The quarterback, I'm not convinced about, which means your offense is extremely limited. I think it's going to be a it's going to be a hurdle to get the bowl eligibility for West Virginia, unfortunately. And they open at Happy Valley. <laughs> Good and they, luck, West And Virginia. they play Pitt this year again, too. Backyard Brawl is back once well, again. Well, speaking of which, let's just move straight on into it. They're hosting yeah. the Backyard Brawl this year, and it's not going to be to open the season. Like It feels like it's in a better spot in the year if you're not going to be able to have it during rivalry week. True, true. Uh, we'll talk about Pitt here very shortly if you're live with us. Uh, on next episode, if you're listening via audio, but Pitt is a different team this year too. Should be a fascinating matchup on September 16. There, uh, already talked about Oregon at Texas Tech a little bit. It is worth bringing up. That is a massive game for both programs this year. Could really shake things up. And again, the other other game on this list, Illinois at Kansas. We already talked about oh, briefly. Yeah, my this bad. Is, <laughs> I don't blame you. This is one of the most exciting games of the entire non-conference slate anywhere. Uh, I think as, so. as weird as that sounds from looking at this from a couple of years ago, vantage point, Illinois and Kansas, both are two of the most inspiring rebuilds that we've seen in recent college football. Memory. They are, they are two teams. You absolutely have to look at differently going into this season that I don't think anybody right. would have thought what, I don't think anybody thought that would have been the case for either teams, I think Kansas was probably more of like there's no shot. If you just if you'd have made me pick between the two, I'd have said Illinois five years ago, right? Because that history for them being at least decent, right? Like not great, but at least decent is a lot more recent than Kansas even putting together a bowl season. Yeah, I can tell you the year that Illinois came into the shoe and beat Ohio State uh, because you were there. I was not at the game. But I watched it live and I cried. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's been recent enough. When's the last time Kansas was good? Uh, the 2007, maybe? That was Illinois coming into the shoot. That was Juice Williams. I think it was 2010 for Kansas. next guess. Like a 10 and 3 team, something like that. Um, who was that head coach? Huge man. Charlie Weiss? No. <laughs> no. He made them even who... more of a mockery. Um, oh, gosh. This is going to kill me. Anyway. <laughs> Mark What's... Mangino. There you go. <laughs> the only man in football who's larger than me. <laughs> Whew. What a what a unit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we talked about all the teams in the Big 12 this year. There are a lot of options who we think might end up winning this thing. And there are no divisions. So we're left to our own devices entirely. Oh, God. I, I I'll let you go first since since you look I, so 
convinced I, of your choices. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't think I can put TCU or Kansas State in the conversation realistically. And I want to put Texas in the conversation because I do believe in Quinn Ewers if he can stay healthy and what he's going to be able to do to lead this offense. But I don't trust Texas enough to actually win the conference. So I've got them in the conference championship game, which is a very boring pick, I know. After that, it is such a toss-up in this conference. Oklahoma doesn't feel like a solid pick. Oklahoma State doesn't feel like a solid pick. Right. Kansas, realistically, might be the most solid pick out of the conference again. You're assuming Jalen Daniels stays healthy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You see my issue here. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, And I'm not picking Cincinnati, Central Florida, or Houston in this first season, although I – I could. I'll hear arguments for Central Florida and Houston, right. for that matter, uh, being in right. the conversation. Uh, I'll hear arguments for them. I just don't feel comfortable taking them this first season. That really leaves Baylor, Kansas, and Kansas State by my estimations, and two of those teams I don't trust to actually put together a season like that. I feel like Baylor was more of an anomaly last year on the downside. What was it? Mm-hmm. Two, three years ago, they had uh, seasons that took them to the conference championship, and I believe yeah. in Dave Aranda. It was the year before last. It was Baylor and Oklahoma State in the conference, yeah. and it was a really good I, game. I'm, I'm gonna give it to Baylor. I believe in the Bears. Baylor and Texas. Oh, that hurts. That feels weird. And who would you take in that game? Baylor. Okay. I already said I can't – taking Texas to win the thing is too boring. It's too easy. Too many people are going to pencil it in anyway. I'm not – I don't – I think they're going to be there. I do think they're that good, but I don't I don't want to pencil them in as conference champions. Okay. I'm going to go nuts because this is the Big 12 and I don't believe in anything right now. Um, <laughs> the thought crossed my mind too. Don't worry. I'm going. I'm going nuts, but hear me out. I'm going with BYU versus Texas Tech in the conference championship game this year. Now, this is assuming some lucky bounces for Texas Tech. I'm also thinking they might make it even though they lose at Wyoming and against Oregon to start the year. But they'll figure things out pretty quickly. And uh, I, it's it takes a little bit of luck. But in the conference schedule – I think anybody can kind of go against anybody in the Big 12 this year outside of Cincinnati and West Virginia, unfortunately. Uh, so <laughs> I think the the biggest hurdle in my mind for BYU is the sheer number of transfers in, like the the transfers at key positions. This is assuming that Keaton Slovis, Aiden Robbins, Cody Epps all find a way to gel together. Whereas, you know, there are teams who have a lot more experience together that might theoretically make more sense. But the overall talent there is awesome. And uh, yeah, I so who who's who's winning it out of that? I would say. Texas Tech, uh, and I'm 
with that outcome, I'm definitely not picking a Big 12 team to make it to the college football playoff. <laughs> who, who are we picking for Tug? Uh, West Virginia, Cincinnati, and he's picking West Virginia to win it. Okay. <laughs> no, I hate to do that to him. Uh, nope, too late. It's already it's already written down, and so it was. It's in the record, <laughs> and so it shall be. <laughs> if you are watching along with us live, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. However, if you're not live, if you're listening to the audio or you're watching uh, on YouTube. That's it for this episode. Check us out at the following links. They've been scrolling across the bottom, but if you're an audio listener, here they are. Patreon.com backslash BDT football, twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches, all one word there. Both of those two places, you can come support us financially and help us make the show better. You can find us on Twitter or X, whatever it is. We're at BDT football. I don't want to read out the URL because I don't know how long Twitter is going to be the official URL. Uh, And then we also have a Facebook uh, facebook.com backslash BDT football. Instagram is instagram.com backslash BDT underscore football. We also have a website, bdtfootball.com. You can email us questions, mailbox at bdtfootball.com. We do check that. So if you want to email us a question and hear it read aloud on the show, we will get to it. Just send us an email. Easier way to get questions into us is just to come live on Twitch and ask us your questions there. You can also check us out on YouTube if you are an audio listener. As Doug mentioned at the top, it is a lot better experience to watch the show uh, because of the graphics that we put together here. YouTube.com backslash big dudes in the trenches. One word again there. Our Discord is linked in the description below, so be sure to check it out if you want to get in. uh, Probably the quickest way to contact us, honestly, and talk some football. Before I sign off here, Doug... There is a movie that is leaving Netflix on 18 August. So August 18th, Undefeated. It is a true story about a Memphis inner city high school football team on their quest to make it to their first state playoffs and win the district for the first time in school history. Manassas High School. If you have time between now and the 18th of August, you need to check out that movie. And that's not just for you. That's for everybody. It's a fantastic story. And I'm not just saying that because it takes place in Memphis. I'm saying it because I truly believe it. You are saying it because it takes place in Memphis. It's okay. Uh, mm. We'll we'll see if I get to that one or not. <laughs> not going to lie to you. It might be tough. I do have a question for you, though, before I get out of here as well. Uh, what does a bee do? To style its hair. I don't know. It uses a honeycomb. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right. That's it, everybody. If you're an audio listener or you're on YouTube, we'll see you tomorrow. Peace out.